0: Greetings and welcome back to the Ideas Podcast. I'm Daniel Lazar, founding advisor of the John F. Kennedy School's Ideas Club. Joining me today is Lily Walker, the editor-in-chief of the Ideas Journal. How's it going, Lily?
1: I am great.
0: You are great. I agree. And along with Lily, we have Hannah Cook the Ideas Director of Community Outreach. What is happening, Hannah Cook?
2: Not very much, I'm excited for this podcast.
0: (laughs) Well, I am too, we have so much in common. Uh, This episode, as it turned out, is our second of two installments that dovetail with our recently published Ideas Journal which explores challenges in national identifications. And I just want to quickly seize this moment to remind our dear audience that Bear Radio, our esteemed podcast network, hosts other shows that grapple with national identification. One of these is Beyond Asian, Stories of the Third Culture. It's hosted by Sen John. Uh, This podcast is a place for stories of global nomads with Asian roots who were brought up in diversity. She explores their lives, their loves, and their histories, and we here at the Ideas Podcast cannot recommend it enough. We'd also like to recommend that you listen to our last podcast, which focuses on two other articles from the most recent edition of the Ideas Journal. While you don't have to listen to these two episodes sequentially, you can listen to this one while you're already doing so, and then listen to the last one, or vice versa. We would urge you to listen to both, and to get your hands on the journal, we will link to it in the show notes. Now, Lily, editor-in-chief of the journal, why don't you briefly tell us about the theme of this edition of the journal, and then, if you would be so kind, tell us which two articles we're going to be discussing today and why.
1: So this journal, as you've mentioned, is about national identity, but specifically among the students at JFKS. Um, we think that our relationship to national identity is kind of special because of the whole um, multicultural, multinational school environment that we all were raised in or you know are currently immersed in. And so we're talking a lot about what it means to have multiple national identities, Um, The differences between German and American national identities, what it's like to be a third culture kid, um, and all kinds of things like that in this journal. And we have two uh, articles that we're going to be talking about today, Um, the first of which is talking about that very subject. It's comparing how Americans and Germans deal with the pain of their pasts, their respective pasts especially regarding the atrocities in their past, and you could say the historical shames of both Germany and the United States. And we have both authors of this piece, Mia and Lucy, on today. How are you guys doing?
3: Doing good.
4: I'm doing amazing.
1: Great to have you guys. Thank you so much for coming. And then we're going to talk with an author who's been with Ideas for a long time, a really great writer. I think your work is amazing, Johanna. Johanna wrote for a piece we talked about last week, which was regarding congruence and conflict between German and American identities. But this week, she's actually on to discuss an article that we do in every single edition of Ideas or a version of it. And in this issue, Johanna was talking about dueling perspectives about national identity at JFKS, specifically how it helps and hurts students and the community. Yo, Hannah, great to have you. So I think we should jump right into it. We're going to start with Lucy and Mia's article. And I'll just ask you from the jump, in what ways does Germany deal with its problematic past, just to get us started?
4: A lot of my experience with this um, topic has been in school, Since it is required in the German school curriculum to treat this topic, but also in our everyday lives, I think it is vital to think about this issue. And living in Berlin, I honestly think that it follows us everywhere.
3: So um, I would say reflecting on the Holocaust, for example, I think Germany finds a lot of special and respectful ways to honor those murdered. For example, this is also what we talked about in our article. Um, the memorial to the murdered jews right here in berlin i think that's a really special way to honor their past and also the strapper all across germany that's also a really great way which we also talked about
4: Mm -hmm.
1: so you mentioned that you you know have had a lot of education about the holocaust can you tell me a little bit more about that and how that works in school for you guys
3: Sure. So at least me and I are both in the Abitur program and it's mandatory for, I think this applies to all of Germany. We learn about specifically Hitler's foreign policy and the crimes Germany committed during World War II.
4: Not only the fact that it is required in the German school curriculum to learn about it, but also personally in seventh grade, we have um, talked about the book My Kamai. It's about a young girl, a Jewish young girl in times of in the times of World War II and before, and even small things like that. And also we read another novel in also in 10th and 9th grade, um, looking at the relationship between Jews and non-Jews during that time, which also was very good to bring this important part of German history to, to the students. So it's not only in 12th grade, but also in some cases also before. So
1: it sounds to me like you've had pretty extensive education on the Holocaust and on Germany's atrocities in general. Can you tell me a little bit about your research of um, how similar things are treated in America?
4: So from research, but also from personal experience, sadly, both of these horrible topics do not have the exact same approach, especially since both of the countries, Germany and America, are federalist countries. Obviously, um, every state really like deals with the education and with grappling with the past in very different ways. And especially in America, there sadly are still many flaws in the education system regarding um how to talk about everything about slavery, even the construction of America. Yeah, I think Luz can also add to that.
3: Yeah, I definitely think there's a lot of room for improvement, specifically in the United States. Just as I mentioned before, Germany has all these monuments and memorials to spread awareness. And I think um there should be more of that in the United States as well.
2: So, going back to a very important point that Miet mentioned was the federal nature of both Germany and America makes the teachings of these two different topics and atrocities very different. Like, kids in America in Alabama will have a different education than kids in California about slavery and other like crimes committed by the US. And so, you have, aside from that, you have a very politically charged kind of conversation in the U.S. right now that's very polarized. You have Trump's administration introducing a 1776 committee or trying to do so at least, which introduces a more patriotic and air quotes education meant to keep kids from really criticizing the U.S. So they're leaving little little place for criticism in the U.S. under the name of patriotism. And then you have others who have a have an issue with the way that the U.S. has like, fail to reconcile with their past that are tearing down monuments like that of General Ely. So you have two very opposing sides. And I think US has a lot more difficulties reconciling with their past as opposed to Germany. Mm-hmm.
1: So I think everyone so far has pretty much agreed that Germany does a better job at owning up to you know historical atrocities but we've pretty much been talking about the holocaust in germany so far and you know germany has a very multifaceted history so i'm wondering do you think that you know your german education which has been entirely at jfks has covered its its long history of imperialism and other atrocities or has it focused too much on the holocaust do you think
2: um, so I think that's a very complex question that we could talk about for hours on end. My initial thought is just introduce it more into the education system. And that I don't mean to take away from the Holocaust. I think we can talk just as much and like even more about the Holocaust in school, but just introduce other like like more German history. Like I don't know much about Germany's like past in Africa and as an like, imperialism most of what i remember is Weimar Republic and then Third Reich and then up to like now that's pretty much like a big focus and i think that we definitely need to extend that because there's obviously other things in germany's history which play into the like the society that we are today
1: so there's clearly some inconsistency when it comes to historical education and i think that's always going to happen but i wonder how do you think america does on that do you think america Succeeds in some fields because it's a very complicated topic, you know, historical education. Or do you think America has just got it all
2: wrong? Well, I think, I mean, the U.S., like racism and their past with history and that, like, context, is talked about a lot. It's not like like USA tries to ignore it. I mean, we just had a side conversation on here about the way that the U.S. has repaid um, some of the um, Japanese that they had in in internment camps, and also, you know, their 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 efforts to try and, you know, reconcile and bridge the gaps with um, racial, racial inequalities and stuff like that. So the U.S. isn't failing. I think their education, because of their federal, like, setup, may be a little bit weak, but I haven't been in the U.S., so I can't really <laughs> judge that completely.
1: So I don't mean to put Mr. Lazar on blast here, although I kind of do. But to close us off, I think I would like to hear... What you guys felt was really valuable to you about having a multicultural education um, in terms of history and the unfortunate parts of it, and what you thought having to focus on two cultures or maybe getting to focus on two cultures meant for the depth and detail of that education?
2: Well, I think there's benefits and detriments to both, right? Like the larger the scope of history, the more versed you are globally, which is really important to know more about, like not just the country you live in, but like the entire world. And that's difficult to do, you know, like we're not taking a world history class. But I think um, our school does try and educate us a lot, obviously on Germany and the U.S. and Europe and the Western world. It fails to do the um, Eastern and the, the Southern Americas a little bit. But I think that's really beneficial because like it broadens your, your, your scope of knowledge. Then again, of course, you can only cover so much content, right? So you can't go as deeply into some things the, the, the way that I'd wish to. Um, I think it's great that we have an entire year dedicated just to American history. I mean, that's because we're a special school and I learned a lot about American history. But then I think it's also difficult because, yes, in our normal history classes, we learn a lot about German history, It's not exclusively German history, though. So, it's a toss-up.
1: Hannah, that's a great point. Um, And actually, uh, a great transition to our next topic, which is going to be the benefits and drawbacks of our education at a bicultural school. So, Johanna, can you real quick just introduce the listener to your general main idea in this article? and? what you came out thinking about the half empty, half full.
5: Yes. So basically the half empty, half full is just looking at the different perspectives that there are on being in a bicultural school. And I guess what I came out thinking is that there are no detrimental aspects in being in a bicultural school, except for the fact that because we label ourselves as bicultural, we do kind of narrow ourselves down to this German and American a sort of identity, leaving out other identities or um, other cultures that are obviously just as valid and welcome at our school and are also embraced here, just that we focus a lot on German and American also towards the end of our school career due to the two educational tracks that we have, Abitur and Diploma.
1: I think we've identified as of last week, a real divide that happens between the diploma and Abitual students eventually. But I wonder, you've been at JFKS for a very long time. In fact, several of you have. Where do you think that divide stems from? Do you think it was there since entrance class or do you think it developed over time?
5: I think that definitely was not there since the beginning. I just think it's because we, not physically, but we have to, we have to choose at the end of our sophomore year, 10th grade, we have to choose, okay, are we going to do an Abitur or diploma? And Americans tend to choose diploma, especially if they're not bilingual or if they're mother tongue English, because um, the diploma obviously teaches only in English and the Abitur only in German. So the languages also kind of divide, hence um, the nationalities do as well, partially.
1: And I wonder, Hannah, I know that you've also been around since the start, but you actually chose diploma, whereas uh, Johanna chose Abitur. So I wonder, was that sort of forced decision really stressful for you? And how did you go about making it?
2: Um, well, it would it stem from my, my wanting to study in the U.S. and my my affinity for the English language that's basically where that them from and our American faculty as well but it was not stressful at all I chose it I knew that there would be some divisions between most of my friends who are in Abitur, but you know you can work to overcome that I may just be oblivious I don't actually think there's that much of a um, c- cultural divide at our school between German and American especially not in the younger grades I never felt that maybe that's because I'm like very like much american and german in my mind but i mean obviously we're a german school we're in germany so there's a pronounced like german culture but we also celebrate. like we have american holidays we do you know we're called the john f kennedy school we do have a lot of american ties we have a lot of american students and i don't necessarily feel like the biggest divide
1: (laughs) so i know i'm actually the only person here who was raised in america if i'm not wrong So presumably any of you could have chosen to go to just a German school from entrance class and through gymnasium and maybe had an easier time of it. So I wonder, do you really think that your experience has been entirely worth it? Is the glass half full for you or are you a little bit hesitant to recommend it to just anybody?
5: I mean, I personally, while I was not technically raised in the US, I did spend six years of my life there. And I don't in any way consider myself American. My parents are the most German people you could ever imagine. And I'm also very much German. Um, But I think that's also why my parents sent me to JFK, because they wanted to kind of preserve, first of all, my English and also kind of what they took from the United States. Some of that feeling, I guess.
1: You guys are all saying you think that it's worth the consequences. What exactly were the consequences in your life of having this bicultural education that you would have otherwise, you know, just been in a German school?
4: I don't know if you should call it a consequence, but we were brought up in this in this environment We were where we saw a lot of different perspectives. And I think it's more of something positive. Maybe it was a little difficult to find one's personal identity. Am I more this? I mean, more that. But growing up, I think I mostly see the positive aspects because I we just all or I hope that we all just accept that we're all so intersectional and that we should see the best of both worlds at the end of the day. So I don't think that you should call it a consequence. Maybe it was a little hard growing up thinking, oh, where do I belong? But I think at the end of the day, everyone has a struggle wherever you are. Pretty much. Yeah. I think point blank. I mean, what we got ourselves
2: into was just more work. Obviously, you're going more in depth on another culture, right? Like a German school doesn't have an American history program. They don't go as in depth, if at all, into American history without a relation to German history. Right. So you take on more work and, you know, you have to be up for it and you have to be you willing to sacrifice more time. But like Mia said, I think it's an enriching exper- experience. And our school does a pretty good job. I mean, there's complications and there's issues with everything, but trying to balance that and, you know, learning your way like as someone who has dual citizenship or as an American in Germany or no matter what, like what your nationality or what your national identity is, I think, um, you know, our school offers a broader spectrum of that than maybe a German gymnasium would have.
1: So do you think that you get like an equal share of German and Americanness or do you think that's? too nebulous to to figure out. I would say our school has a lot more americanness in in some aspects than germanness. We speak English in the hallways and we talk about american media and things like that.
5: I can see both sides. I mean, I um Lily, I agree with you. I think the predominant language is well, for, we speak like denglish the whole time and our german teachers chastise us for speaking english in german class so and we talk a lot more i'd assume to say about american politics than german even in like the abitur so i think if anything there's more americanness than germanness
2: if i can push back on that i think the whole language thing doesn't have that much to do with like American over German. I think it has more to do with inclusion, just like, like English is like more the common denominator for people that aren't, you know, that can't speak German. I mean, that that's my take on that. I'm not sure if that you would take that as more American. I just take that as trying to be more inclusive.
1: That's an interesting point you brought up there. Um, Do you think that JFKS does enough to include both sides, new Germans and new Americans coming into the school?
2: I think our students are very welcoming. I would like to hope our students are more or less welcoming and inclusive. I think there's issues sometimes when you're in class, like our teachers are supposed to be bilingual, but sometimes there's like issues if you're just German or if you can only speak German, if you can only speak English, I think in some classes, which cause problems for some, like I know it has caused problems for some people, but I think it's a challenge that they can overcome and that our school and our students are willing to, you know, help with.
1: So I think I'm hearing from you all that you really do have the experience of half-full at our school, right? Nobody would say that you would rather have not had this multicultural experience. Am I right about that? Okay. But I do wonder, I don't think any of us see our school as some sort of bicultural utopia by any means. So if you were in charge of the school for the day, if you can make any change to make our school a greater example of biculturalism or even multiculturalism, what would you do to you know, make that experience better for yourself and for students to come?
2: So I think I would make the admissions process more inclusive. I think we restrict ourselves by restricting us to nationalities. And if we did that, we could have maybe more of a multicultural um, environment And not so much a bicultural environment, which I think would be very beneficial. I definitely agree with everyone. Um, I think our schools
3: should be more inclusive towards other cultures in general. Especially as Hannah mentioned, the admission system it is it's just not inclusive enough, and I think we should definitely change that. Um, I also think making hasty generalizations of what Germans and Americans are is just extremely problematic there are so many cultures within the German culture and Americans, I think it should be more inclusive.
0: Well, I think that you all are a cross-section of what makes the Kennedy School, at the very least, a great place to teach. And I can't say for certain whether the class is half full or half empty, but I could say that you all and the conversations in which you're willing to engage, you fill my cup and for that i'd like to offer each of you a chance to recommend to our audience something that speaks to the idea's mission now this ideally would be something that our listeners could get their hands on or lay their eyes on in the throes of a pandemic so each of you one at a time could you please offer our listeners something that you wholeheartedly endorse and we'll take these one at a time and i'll i'll remember i swear i will to link your endorsements to our homepage. Let's start with our guests. Tiggy, what do you endorse?
5: I endorse um, a host on Last Week Tonight. His name is John Oliver. He does pieces on mostly American politics, but also anything that's going on in the world. I do warn you, it is very biased, but also very funny. So I think you should definitely go check him out.
0: A comic hero of mine, Mia. Thank you, by the way, Tiggy and Mia and Lucy so much for being on the podcast. It's been great to have you. Mia, tell me, what's your endorsement?
4: I would like to endorse um, a documentary on Netflix. It's called Diana in Her Own Words. Um, It's centered around the life of Princess Diana um, and it shows it in all its diverse facets. It talks about her mental health, about the horrible eating disorders she had to live with and also the social pressures she had to fear. Um, and even though there's thousands of documentaries about the royal family, this one is truly special because it um, shows her, her as a female and her position in that society. It shows how she got empowered, the positive effects of it, but also the negative consequences it had for
0: life. Well, Mia, as an historian, uh, an Anglophile, and an aspiring princess myself, I am moved by your endorsement. Lucy, what do you endorse?
4: Sure. Um, I would like to endorse the
3: Michelle Obama podcast. You can find it on Spotify. And I think it creates really interesting insight into not only Michelle Obama's life, but um, also current events. She talks a lot about the Black Lives Matter movement and the significance it has to her and in general. And she interviews um, a lot of interesting people, including Obama. So I think it's definitely worth a listen.
0: She, she was able to get the president on her podcast. How about that? Hannah Cook. I have
2: another Netflix show. Um, so it's Big Mouth. They just came out with their fourth season, which is the one that I'll be talking about more. So while it's a cartoon kind of animation TV show, which may be on first impression a little bit crude, a little bit vulgar, but it centers around going through puberty and um, follows these these young seventh and eighth graders through kind of like them discovering not just their body, but like this season focused a lot on racial identity, sexual identity, just identity in general and mental health issues. So I think there's a lot of potential because it's very accessible, especially to people at a younger age to try and grapple with these issues. And you'll come to terms with, you are as an adolescent because that's that's definitely difficult
0: wait hannah cook i just want to make sure i think i watched the first episode of the first season of this is it the most crude show and okay you're recommending this this is your endorsement hannah cook hannah cook my image of you has totally morphed i had no idea um okay big mouth from Hannah Cook and I will just try to process that. Lily last but surely not least thank you uh for your moderation and for your efforts. You get an endorsement. What is it?
1: I am going to endorse as always something that I've just kind of been obsessed with in the last week and kind of forever. I'm endorsing This American Life which is, you know, NPR radio show, a classic for me. I've grown up with it. And you know Every time they talk about national identity on This American Life, it makes me feel like I'm a complete amateur. It's so nuanced and it tells these stories in such interesting ways. It just it brings me so much calm, but also it's, it's a really great podcast. I listen to it as a podcast or radio show to just listen to and really consider your own role in, you know, America
0: how about that great minds think alike and i'm pleased to know that ours do also uh my endorsement of course is bear radio um and i say to our beloved listeners if they're still with us uh, if you enjoy ideas and you want to hear more podcasts being produced here in europe and berlin in particular please check out bear radio it is berlin's english-speaking podcasting network uh, and community, and a home to a number of incredible shows like this one. And with that in mind, uh, we get to wrap our second of two episodes about the Ideas Journal. Lucy, Mia, and Tiggy, you are splendid guests. Thank you so much for contributing to our podcast. Hannah and Lily, it is always a pleasure to spend time with you and to learn from you. To our listeners, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this as we did. You can find us for now at jfksideas.wixsite.com. Our journals are there, including our most recent one. And if you like the show, please leave a review and share it with your people. Oh, yeah, and really, read the journal. <laughs>